1: So in addition to having a J.D., I also hold a couple of Masters of Law degree. One as a Master of the Law of Taxation Law, and the other as a Master of the Laws of Intellectual Properties. And because of my training, experience, and interest, I primarily practice bankruptcy, debt wealth management, estates and trust, real estate, and taxation law. And I'm also proud to say that as part of my practice more and more, I vindicate the rights or attempt to vindicate the rights of seniors who are victims of financial elder abuse, unfortunately, but so. I'm pleased to be able to come to you once again from the beautiful KFAC studios in the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area to discuss some of the financial issues confronting families and small business owners. However, as always, I have to once again remind you Uh, That This show does not provide legal advice, nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show is an educational forum with the goal of exchanging information that might be helpful to you and your family and your business partners if you need to search for and have the ability to find more detailed information that is tailored to your specific set of cer- facts and circumstances and to provide you with an outline of the key issues that may help you seek out and find qualified professional help. So this week we're going to continue with, you know, hitting the pause button. Uh, this series of shows where we were going to use two big bankruptcies out there in the, in the, in the ether, as it were, Sears Holding Company, and pg e so we could kind of compare and contrast what goes on in a large bankruptcy, a multi-billion dollar bankruptcy in some instances, with a bankruptcy that might be helpful to families and small business owners. But I interrupted that presentation to talk about financial elder abuse. And I got to tell you, I heard from many of you this past week with questions and saying that you were concerned about financial elder abuse, either in your own instance or with friends you know or family members. And I just got to tell you, I am so sorry to hear from so many of you. And I, I don't mean that <laughs> the way it sounds, but I'm just so sorry that this is such a big issue in uh, communities as we all grow older And there's more and more charlatans and grifters out there trying to take advantage of us or our parents or grandparents or our elderly aunt, or sometimes these are young folks with cognitive issues who might have access to finances. So many of you wanted me to give you the contact numbers of some key um, services that might be able to help you, and so I want to start off with that. But again, let me just tell you what financial elder abuse is. In California, elders are defined as people who are 65 years or older. And under California law, elder abuse can be both a crime and it also can be a civil wrong. So um, the state prosecutes criminal acts, but a civil lawyer could represent you if the goal is to get property back, be it real property, or get money damages. So that would be uh, heard in the civil courts. Uh, So I I shared with you um, the codes. Uh, So civil law defines elder abuse as when a person or an entity does any of the following acts, and this is uh, California Welfare and Institutions Code, and why why it's welfare and institutions, Institutions code is initially elder abuse was geared towards making sure that our relatives who were in uh, elder care facilities um, there uh, was and remains people that will take advantage of elders, not give them proper care, um, you know, let them sleep in their filth. And unfortunately, as we're hearing the news. Sometimes people um, sexually abuse our elders. So elder abuse was looked at, at as a physical harm, but more and more as the baby boomer generation retires, the first really uh, generation with a lot of middle-class people, financial elder abuse is a, is a, a issue, it's, but it's still under the Welfare and Institutions Code at Section 15610.30 and that's where you take or secret or appropriate or obtain the real property or personal property of an elder for a wrongful use or with the intent to defraud or both and it also that's for the individual that does it but also if someone assists them and or if they take using undue influence and so let me give you some contacts here for you to call so, where do you report physical elder abuse or financial elder abuse? If it's a consumer scam, such as someone calling and and saying that you know your relative or you uh, have won um, a, a jackpot or a trip to the Bahamas, but you have to pay you know ten or fifteen thousand dollars or two dollars or twenty dollars or whatever the number is in order to have access, that's a consumer scam. And a good place to go is to check out the California District Attorneys Association. And for the district attorney in your county, but they have an association where you can go in Sacramento, and then they can point you to the proper office that's closest to you. And that telephone number in the 916 area code for Sacramento is 443-2017. Or you can go on their website, which is CDAA.org, and that stands for California District Attorneys Association, and it's an organization. So it's not .com, it's .org. If, on the other hand, you think that you might be taken advantage of and you have an insurance agent complaint, your insurance agent isn't treating you properly, your insurance under, uh, you know, scammed you, then we have the state of California has a state insurance commissioner, an elected official. And you can reach his office through uh, an 800 number. That's nine two seven four three four seven, Or the website is www.insurance, just like it sounds, .ca.gov. And if the insurance uh, agent sold you an annuity that's not appropriate for you and, you, and it's an attorney, then you can go to the State Bar of California, the State Bar Association, an 800 number, 843 Or if your lawyer who was acting as a fiduciary and absconded with your retainer, and didn't give it back after he accounted or she accounted for the work she did. That's also uh, inappropriate, and you would call the bar association about that. So, if if the problem is with a mortgage lender or a broker, um, it used to be called the California Department of Real Estate, but now it's the Business Administration or or, or some such name. But it's Department of Real Estate, www.dre.ca.gov. And you can also file a complaint with the Federal Trade Commission. And their toll-free number is 877-FTC-HELP. And for local uh, district attorneys, uh, again, you can check out the California District Attorneys Association at 916-443-2017. And for Adult Protective Services. Adult Protective Services sounds like just what it is. It's just like Child Protective Services. If someone realizes that a, a child is being mistreated, uh, there's an a, a, a agency in government that you call. If an adult, an elder is being mistreated, It's You can refer to the California Department of Social Services. They have a website at www.cdss.ca.gov. Okay, so again, I wanted to give that contact information because um, quite a few of you called in and wanted to know who you should contact if you suspect that someone is being mistreated or perhaps, I'm sorry to say, even if you are. So I wanted to... um, continue our discussion about another area that's really negatively impacting seniors. And I don't, uh, because I practice bankruptcy, I know about this, but just as I've come to realize that many in the listening audience don't know about financial elder abuse, many of you don't know that student loan debt is growing by leaps and bounds throughout the marketplace, touching on all demographics. But the fastest-growing demographic for student loan debt are seniors. And this is because many seniors, well, they might have lost their job in their midlife and they decided to go back to school in their 40s and 50s, and then um, they couldn't get a job. So they have their own student loan debt. And even if that's not the case, many seniors have underwritten or co-signed the debt for their children and their grandchildren, and now the children aren't able to find jobs, and so now this debt is falling upon seniors. So we're going to leave it there for a minute. We're going to continue our discussion, but first we're going to take a short break.
0: back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead.
1: Welcome back to Selwyn's Law. As we continue our discussion on the impact of student loan debt on seniors and what we, their children and grandchildren, or maybe even if we're seniors ourselves, what we can do about it. But let's first have a little bit of statistical information. According to the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau's Office of Older Americans in its January 2017 report entitled, Snapshot of Older Consumers and Student Loan Debt, four times more seniors carry student loan debt than they did just a decade ago. More older Americans carry student loan debt than ever before the number of consumers aged 60 and older with outstanding student loan debt has quadrupled from 2005 to 2015, increasing from about 700,000 to nearly 3 million in 2015. During that period, the share of all student loan borrowing at the age of 60 or older increased from 2.7% of the population to nearly 7%. In addition, a large share of the population 60 and older owed student loan debt in 2015 than they did in 25. So older borrowers are doing so because they're taking out loans to help their children. You know, back in the... 30s and 40s and 50s, many of us, our families, lived on farms or in small towns. And, you know, we made a living and we put food on the table and a roof over our children's head. And hopefully, some of them would go to college, but many were just looking to replace us after we passed and then take over our jobs. But then in the 50s and 60s, There was a growth in the middle class, and that was the beginning of home ownership and wealth creation. And so our area of focus changed to where the goal was, if we sent our children to college, or if my parents sent me to college, then I would be able to do better than they did, hopefully take care of them in their old age, and be prepared to take care of my children as they grew. So the idea of educating our children so that they could do great things for society became the norm. And as such, more and more parents took out loans to send their kids to school. And like I gave in the earlier example, sometimes parents had to go back to school in their 40s or 50s because they lost the job and they took out student loans to send themselves to school. But more and more people over 55 were taking out student loans to send their kids to school. And they were co-signing on loans. Well, then what happens when the economy goes sideways and the children aren't able to get jobs? And sometimes the parents don't realize that they're on the hook for the whole loan. And some of them don't realize that their children might have taken out multiple loans. And so now they're on the hook for a bunch of loans. This is having a negative impact on these seniors' ability to retire and have a decent living. And the heartbreak of it is that they might have their Social Security intercepted because m- many of these loans are with the federal government. And so the federal government can intercept um, refund checks for, from the Internal Revenue Service and they also can intercept Social Security checks. And that's really heartbreaking because what that does is puts enormous financial distress on members of our community, our own parents and grandparents, and our elderly neighbors. They're totally stressed out. And you know, sometimes how the loan was let might be financial elder abuse. So what do I mean by that? If you remember last time we talked, how you obtain the property of another could be financial elder abuse if a loan contract was done through distress, uh, emotional distress. And so... In my practice, many people don't realize that you might be able to get your student loan debt discharged if you file for bankruptcy. Now, there is a myth out there in the ether that student loan debt is not dischargeable in bankruptcy and and period. Well, no, it's period and then a new paragraph. There is a legal proceeding within bankruptcy called an adversary proceeding where you can lay the facts before the bankruptcy judge and see if the debtor meets the criteria for having the student loan debt discharged. And in a nutshell, in essence, how one gets their student loan debt discharged in bankruptcy is following the... Um, the Bruner test. So, in, in courts, there's tests, but the tests are named after the lawsuit that someone brought, brought and won or lost. And the Brunner test is based on a case called Bruner versus New York State Higher Education Services Court. Uh, and as part of that lawsuit, if you're able using that test, if one is able to show. That it is an undue hardship, and as defined by the bankruptcy court, bankruptcy courts can discharge some or all of the student loan debt. Again, it's determined by the facts and circumstances of each and every individual case. So, I'm talking to you from the beautiful San Francisco Bay Area, and we're in the Ninth Circuit, uh, the Ninth. Circuit is uh, most of the it's most of the Western United States, and in the Ninth Circuit, they used the Bruner test, and so the Bruner test looks at the condition of the debtor, and that's the person who files for bankruptcy at the time they file for bankruptcy, and if the debtor cannot maintain, based on his or her current income and expenses, a minimal standard of living. For herself and her dependents, if she was forced to repay the loan, that's part that's prong one. The second prong is additional circumstances exist that the state of affairs of the debtor will likely persist for a significant portion of the repayment period of the student loan. And then the final prong is three, the debtor has made a good faith effort to Repay her loan. So who, in my mind, who better than, say, a senior citizen who is on a pension or Social Security uh, income, and that's all? And 10 years ago, when sweet little Joey, who was 21, decided to go to graduate school and needed someone to co-sign a loan— And for the past 10 years, little Joey has not been able to get a job. And so now he's no longer in the deferral period. He's in the repayment period. And guess what? Grandma signed, co-signed on the loan. And so now grandma risks having her Social Security pension from the federal government intercepted because the Department of Education has a higher priority than her because little Joey got his graduate degree, and couldn't get a job. So to me, that sounds like a pretty compelling case to put before a judge uh, for him or her to decide whether or not some or all of that student loan debt should be discharged. The average senior has approaching $40,000 in student loan debt. It's a small segment of society, around 6 or 7%, but if if you or what your loved ones, or your neighbor, or your friend is in that 6 or 7%, and having their pensions intercepted, that's the universe for them. And so, you know, I'm out here <laughs> spreading the word about looking at uh, bankruptcy as maybe a remedy for dealing with student loan debt. And if while we're investigating whether or not uh, a, a client can pass the burner test, and we find out that perhaps he or she wa- signed off on that student loan debt with less than complete information, or you know, sometimes our our children and grandchildren perpetrate fraud on us and have us sign things that we think maybe we're signing a letter of recommendation, and they're having us sign co-sign for a student loan debt. All of that stuff can be investigated, and perhaps as part of the um, investigation or the litigation where the court decides if the Brunich test is applicable to have the debt discharged, some or all of it, perhaps elder abuse could be a cause of action, a separate claim within that bankruptcy case to see if the student loan debt is, can be discharged. And I got to tell you, um, it's inappropriate for me to discuss any of my clients, but say hypothetically that were the case, um, the Department of Education or whoever their servicer are might be willing to settle the case and perhaps sweeten the pot a little for the poor senior who shouldn't have been put in that position in the first place. So I'm going to leave it there for now. Uh, and I just, as always, I have to tell you, till next time, take care and always stay on the right side of the law. And let's make sure our sen- seniors are well looked out for financially.